Why should I ask you? Ask me why I'm in Wilmington, North Carolina. Why are you in Wilmington, North Carolina? Because I believe in your son. I believe he's different. And I believe you might be the only person on earth who knows it. That's why I'm in Wilmington, North Carolina. Welcome to Trilogy in Theory. My name is Mike. This is Webb. And the reason I'm doing so is because I was just catching Webb up on my life. Uh, Inevitably, we get into movies. And I was recommending Mafia Mama, which I saw in like a preview, one of Regal Theater's uh, Monday mystery movies. And Webb immediately goes to the numbers, starts crunching them, and comes back with, did you say 21% on Rotten Tomatoes? 21% 21% on Rotten Tomatoes, that's right. Which is a far cry from what we're going to be talking about today, and I feel like Webb's going to have a problem with the Rotten Tomatoes score of Air, which has 91% on that lovely website. So, Webb, what will satisfy you? A solid 60? A 70? <laughs> what will make you uh, not paranoid about the response to new releases? Well, first of all, I feel like this show has already been hijacked, and I don't like it. Um, so, <laughs> now, you know, the, the, the sweet spot for me, uh, for, uh, for Rotten Tomatoes is usually around 50% because you don't know what you're going to get. I love that. I love that, uh, a uh, film, uh, it, it is divisive. That could also be, uh, when a, a Rotten Tomatoes critic score is high and the audience score is low. I really like that, but I don't like it when, uh, audience score is high and a critic score is low that's usually a bad sign uh you know you think about a lot of the superhero fair and and uh, super mario brothers uh, that's a you know that's something that i always notice and 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 always gives me a bad vibe you don't have to worry about that with with air no 98 percent from the audience but see the thing <laughs> Everyone is loves it web but you presumably <laughs> not you the same thing <laughs> happened with top gun you know the new Top Gun. Where I was like, "Oh my!" I it 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 almost forced me to go watch this movie because, I was like, everybody loves it. Like, no one is divided. And sure enough, the expectations were too high. With Air, it wasn't because I guess it already happened to Hawkman. I was like, "Why wow, everyone loves it? It's got." It. And again, you kind of know going in what Air is about and and what uh, what is expected to happen. So there are not too many surprises with Air. I feel like this should have been a 30 for 30 
wrap it up in 50 minutes and let's move on. Because ultimately, the real problem I have with air is that, is, is actually, you know what, it, it is exemplified in kind of the climax scene. Matt Damon's speech to the Jordans is a wonderful scene, really, really well written. And it hit me later why that scene was so effective. It was like, oh, as he's talking about the highs and lows of Jordan's career that he assumes will happen, that he is sure will happen, you've edited Michael's legendary accomplishments and and horrifying tragedies into that speech. And I'm like, that's it. There is no replacing real footage of the legend. And that's kind of what this film is all about. Everybody's talking about him and they want him and, and it's not him. You don't even get to see him. I mean, and honestly, it's probably a good choice to not show uh, an actor playing Michael Jordan because nobody could do it. But uh, they, they, they did what they could. And for me, this film felt like, it, honestly, it made me want to watch uh, The Last Dance over and over again because I just much rather watch Michael than any of this uh, nonsense. Why did you like Air so much? And why did everybody <laughs> else like Air? <laughs> why did everyone nonsense? Why did everyone like Air so much, Mike? I can't. Well, I, I actually, uh, much like Mafia Mama, which <laughs> Mafia Mama and Air are my <laughs> current one and two for the year. <laughs> so apparently my taste is also very divided as far as the, the, the rotten and the extreme fresh, uh, according to the top critics of the world. I couldn't really gauge what it was that the, I guess the general consensus was as far as Air. Um, uh, let's see. It, it seems like it's like you're talking about how it should have been 30 for 30. Although some of those 30 for 30s, um, <laughs> including the last dance, are exhaustive going back over. I mean, I can't remember. Is it like six hours for the last dance, which I loved? Um, but mainly, the, the I guess the tightness of the script, uh, the fact that you have, you know, Chris Tucker in a very small role. You have Jason Bateman, who has a great speech. You. Viola Davis. Uh, to me, when you were talking about the climactic speech, I thought we were going to the the mother, uh, the, the the last phone conversation that she has with Matt Damon, um, assigning uh, worth to uh, the labor. Um, that's that's kind of what hit me the most about about Air, uh, and really spoke to I guess my my politics or my philosophy is that yes, we have this giant corporation that's going to promote you and promote your brand, which. Um, even at the lower level, I think, I don't know, artists on Instagram or maybe at Comic-Cons, uh, you'll have people that want to just take their work for free. And they're like, yeah, but since we're going to use it, we'll promote you. So in the long run, it'll be better for you financially. We're not going to pay you much or anything. And I loved an air that, um, I mean, the, the brand is Jordan himself. He doesn't, <laughs> doesn't give a shit about if it's Nike or Adidas. Uh, he will become the brand. And I loved that little that little touch which uh, apparently of course you know i had to ruin it for myself by reading like was that did that actually take place no it did <laughs> that speech from the mom that did not take place why because it's not a cinematic nike was so desperate they just went ahead and used that as a bargaining chip like hey we're <laughs> we're going to uh, allow you to earn revenue from this because we don't have much to offer which is not as exciting as like a mother like seeing the value in her own son i i don't know i, I guess it's old fashioned it's sort of throwbacky like it's like 
certainly Jordan and the landscape of his sport and just like athletics uh, is of great importance as a as a figure. Um, but he's sort of interesting in like the Last Dance. You're probably right. The Last Dance probably better captions who captures who he is because all, all he cared about was the game and dominating that particular game. Um, he's definitely definitely not someone like an Ali who had, there's like political political ramifications to his his legacy. Um, who was who was outspoken about other events going on in the world. Uh, so he's sort of elusive in that way, in that we have the greatest at one thing, but what does that mean applied to other walks of life? And I guess that's what I appreciate about Ayer, is they took this sort of figurehead and tried to explain his importance in the world, not just in the world of sports. Now, granted, um, it's it's going to be a bunch of doughy white guys doing it, especially Matt Damon <laughs> at his probably most doughy and least Jason Bourne, which I also appreciate that. We get, we get a shot of Matt Damon attempting to to run and you know he had the response that most people would uh as inspiring as jordan is in this victory they have in the film he's like oh fuck this <laughs> i'd rather watch basketball than, than play it um it is it is a throwback movie that we don't get too often certainly not theatrical release i believe it was originally supposed to go to streaming because i think amazon just bought the rights like lock stock and that goes to the other thing i really like about it if you're getting into the behind the scenes aspect of it is that this is a made by a group called uh, Artist Equity, which uh, Affleck and Damon got funding for, where they plan to do um, profit sharing with uh, cinematographers and like set decorators, which I, I also, that, that that speaks to me as well. It's not just the top-of-the-line director and actor getting profit participation, but it's everyone that contributed to the film. So the it's something where the subject matter seems to represent what they're attempting to do um, in the third act of their career, um, which I really appreciate. That aspect actually was very interesting. I 100% agree with you there. Uh, so much so that when the little blurbs came up about what each of the uh, real-life people are doing now or, or what they did, as with most biopics, when Sonny's came up and it mentioned that uh, he was instrumental in the 2014 case uh, getting collegiate athletes, their uh, just, you Hell know, yeah. you mm-hmm. know I, I, their payments... I was like, that's fascinating. That's what I'd rather be uh, watching a movie on because I feel like that's a story that could encompass a much wider scope and a much wider timeline aside from just this uh, incident with Jordan. And with Jordan, I mean, like, the, I don't think there's that much meat on the bone. <laughs> the incident. <laughs> let's, not, let's not call it an incident. <laughs> How dare this athlete share in the wealth that he no, helped no, no, no. create? <laughs> no, not not that. I, I just mean Jordan's decision to go with the which shoe line. That's all. Not 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 that. And so I thought that was a much more captivating story, and I think that would have been a better film or something that I I think I would have been interested in more. This by no means is a bad movie. It's just one that I'm not as interested in for its runtime. And while it is a throwback, I feel like it's a throwback in some of the wrong ways as well. Uh, immediately, like, the film starts off with 80s iconography porn to hit you over the head. Like, do you know what time period it is? And that happens throughout close-ups of, like, ColecoVision and Rubik's Cubes. I was like, all right, I got it. Uh, soundtrack stuff. And this is going to sound nitpicky, but it all kind of built in my mind. Like, when they first see the Adidas headquarters, what song do you think is going to play? Oh, Run DMC? No shit. 
Um, there's a lot of groaners too, a lot of lines that, you know, Air Jordan, huh, maybe it'll grow on me. Great. Great. I'm glad we got a screenwriter and paid him money to write that. Stuff like that really, and I know, I know it's nitpicky. I know it's nitpicky. Well, I feel like you're attacking the actual theme of the movie there, uh, because I, I watched this with our, our mutual friend Dave, uh, that I podcast with on Offscreen Death, and he had, uh, well, he didn't come out uh, with the knives like you did, because he said, oh, I love this movie. But his problem was the soundtrack, uh, primarily. He he was like, that's a little bit much. Uh, his one note, I guess, would be uh, he wished that the only song you heard was Born in the USA. Um, that was the only one, which... They have an actual conversation about that, uh, as far as and I, I, it's speaking to I think the uh, the '80s porn, as you said. Um, once again, I think it's it's the the subject matter of someone like Jordan, like oh, this was preordained that his career would go this way. You mentioned the speech that Damien gives about the highs and lows he's going to have, um, but I think what the film is saying is that there's a lot of stuff that has just been around that we take for granted. We take for granted Jordan's status, that he was always going to be the best, that he was going to be um, the first black owner in uh, the NBA, that he was going to own a franchise, that he himself would take control of part of this uh, organization that he elevated. The music, I will agree with you at first. I'm like, okay, this is, this is a bit much. Um, but since it was so consistent throughout, I wondered, I was like, is the film saying like, this is stuff that we just take for granted that run DMC, uh, you know, Bruce Springsteen, like all this stuff was always preordained to be like in our heads, to be in part of the pop culture conversation. Because if you think about modern films that just play like current music, I don't think you necessarily have a problem with that. It's just like, yeah, this is just, this is the, you know, if a film comes out in 1999, this is the music that's playing right now. They just got modern songs to fill it out. Um, and it, it can be a little, I guess, or appear to be a little cheesy if you're doing a period piece, uh, that way. Richard Linklater actually had, I know you hate Richard Linklater, so that's, that's I guess, really not... going to draw you into this, not... <laughs> to this, um, he responded once, um, but you'll agree with him on this point to, uh, Dazed and Confused, some of the music not being period specific to the graduating class to that year uh, as far as what kids would be would have been listening to and he made a great argument that he's like well you know when you're in high school like for me example like you know graduated in 2001 uh i still was listening to pearl jam and nirvana songs that were at their peak when i was much younger and you go back maybe 10 years as far as stuff that you've listened to as a kid that's like you know, your favorite song you listen to over and over. So his argument was, actually, if you're being period specific, it's going to be like the last decade that sort of coalesces into like one sort of soundtrack. I wouldn't say Air does does that, but I think they're what they're attempting to do is show that all of this stuff that it could have gone a different direction. Like there could have not, if you want to extrapolate it, there could have been no run DMC possibly. There's probably a story behind them as far as how they got to that point to where they're going to be etched in history forever as a part of this time period. And Jordan, while he was always going to be probably through his own talents and skills, the greatest player of all time, he might not have been Michael Jordan, the brand, if he had gone with a converse and been one of many with larry bird and magic johnson who no knock to them as players they do not have that brand identity they don't have the Jumpman logo that we have and i do love that the man that they credit with that in the film 
when he the only thing he takes away from Matt Damon's speech, uh, which he says all of us will be forgotten except for you, Michael. <laughs> After that great speech, he's like, "We'll all be forgotten." <laughs> like he's just like, <laughs> "Thanks for that, Matty." Um, but he's not. But he left something that will forever be like he created that. He designed it, and it's something that's it's iconography that is recognizable to all. So I'll agree with you when I'm great my performance watch. by him. By the way, great performance by him. Yes. Yes. I'll agree with you initially, but I felt like, okay, maybe maybe this is like part of what they're saying. Is this is all stuff that now we're just like, well, of course. Of course it's the, the best. Of course it's famous. But it didn't, didn't necessarily have to go that way. There was somebody behind the scenes. There's some group of people. It's not just one artist that makes it happen. It's a it's a group that believe in you, including, you know, getting into the family stuff with Viola Davis as the mother. I I love that that dynamic and that relationship. I think I'm going to go down in history with this film as thinking that everyone in the world is doing mental gymnastics except me to <laughs> decide <laughs> that this film is great. Uh, I, I do. I 100% understand what you're saying. And it, it makes sense. I was about to get mean with you there. <laughs> I was like, Why? because in the same week, you sent me a text with a link to the Marvels trailer. Like, this looks awesome. And all I could think about was, <laughs> of course. The guy that doesn't like air and is like, who cares about this incident with Michael Jordan getting his own shoe <laughs> is pumped about an industry that just raped and pillaged their artists <laughs> and stole their <laughs> creations and sold them over and over with no artist equity, with no profit participation. <laughs> Poor Roy Thomas, Mr. You Cohen. You've never seen a hypocrite before, Mike. God. <laughs> One of the things I thought about in a kind of a grander scheme of things is the biopic concept. Okay. And, you know, did, did we get that Whitney Houston or Tina Turner? One of those two got a biopic recently. It was, Whitney Houston was this past Christmas. I didn't see it. Okay. But yeah, yeah. That, was, that was the the latest one. Right. So you get these biopics of uh, these famous individuals who you see in a somewhat um, passing public eye like you see concert footage or you see a music video or you see an interview with michael jordan you got to see that person play multiple times a week multiple interviews a week and he was in the public eye in a completely different way than a lot of these other individuals so i thought it was very interesting that this film is heavily focused on him and at the same time through the lens of all these other different individuals. I thought that was very interesting. There is stuff that is scattered throughout the script that I really do enjoy. But I couldn't help but think, I was like, God, I wish Aaron Sorkin had written this. I wish Aaron Sorkin wrote every biopic because he is able to take the the, the cinematic approach to everything. He does not care about real-life uh, optics and, and, and the real fact-based stuff, whatever is best for the film. And for the most part, I think this film does an okay job. It kind of uses the the police procedural aspect of the, uh, you know, of those films and applies it to getting this individual. Um, it, it's, I mentioned the, the uh, Matthew Merrick's performance, pretty good. Very, very good. Uh, even Marlon Wayans, his like one scene did a really great job. You have a lot of different individuals giving quite a bit to this. Viola Davis, I just saw her in Woman King, and she was great in that. So I was like already kind of on a, a Viola Davis high. She was great in this. Don't worry, Webb. 
She didn't get a nomination for that. She'll get a supporting actress nomination for Air. At next oh, year's. certainly. <laughs> so you'll, she'll you'll hate it. <laughs> she'll win it too. Um, I I I didn't care that much for Matt Damon. I, I mean, I'm I'll, I'll always be an Affleck person over you know the two of them. I feel like they'll always be the, the individuals who will decide which one's better. Did you enjoy the sad Affleck that the internet loves the memes of him? I felt like he was uh, sort of throwing them a bone when he goes on a run, and he's at the end of his run, he just is sadly like walking back in the office, all like hunched over, and like, <laughs> do I agree with my boy Matt on this? Do I risk the company in that way? I, I enjoyed that, you know, and I, I think he's the one that's taking it most on the chin. Which I guess, you know, uh, in fairness to the film, <laughs> the guy he was playing had a pretty <laughs> goofy haircut and style, and also didn't like to necessarily wear shoes around the office which my wife was greatly offended by she hates feet and she's like good lord he's like a movie about sneakers and we have to have a close-up shot like it's a tarantino movie of someone's <laughs> dirty feet on the desk. <laughs> she was horrified by that <laughs> although i do like it guy owns a shoe company hates fucking shoes <laughs> i dig it why not <laughs> That actually sounds like your lot in life, Web. Like if you somehow found yourself running Nike. <laughs> Close down the Air Jordan brand completely. No more profits. Um, I will say Chris Messina gives a terrible performance. I thought his uh, phone rants were, were just obscene and, and uh, so hammy. Uh, there are little things. A little that... too... Uh... Entourage for you, a little too Jeremy Piven sort of. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I, 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 think, that. I think the one thing that really bugs me, though, is shaking the phone. I don't think I've ever been so mad. Uh, like, I've got a phone <laughs> piece next to my head, and I'm shaking it because I'm so mad, wrecking the audio for the person on the other end. Yeah, I was going to say, you're. You were looking at that as a podcast editor, like you're not getting across <laughs> your point. You're not doing what you think you're doing. <laughs> well, you know what? I think we've hit on a lot of the uh, nits and pieces of this film, but let's talk about how it fits in our trilogy. Okay. This month, we talked about the the kind of uh, always punching up, like go, uh, going for somebody who is uh, way out of our league. And I was mm. hesitant as to like, wait, why, why, why does my, because air was not our planned third film, but uh, you apparently loved it so much that you, I want to talk about it. And I hope you are regretting it right now. I'm just playing. There was also a second, no, there was also a secondary reason. One, I wanted to help stimulate the theatrical economy by getting you to go out and see something that wasn't uh, Kate based. <laughs> so I succeeded in that you know, regard. Uh, you can thank me later, local uh, DC area theater, for getting probably one matinee ticket from from Web to see Air. Uh, my my alternate reason is that I originally had slotted in a movie I've been trying to get you to watch that I love that you uh, inevitably will hate as it tends tends to go uh, around here, uh, which was uh, the Netflix original Set It Up, which had uh, Glenn Powell from from Top Gun. So I've missed my window for you to accept it because he's been another populist film that you you hated. Um, and Zoe Deutsch, I think is her, her name. Uh, I love her from everybody wants some, but that was a film where it was going to take our theme and give it a different little flip where it was two characters who work for people who are above them, like horrible bosses style. And the, the premise is if we can get maybe our bosses fall in love, that they will stop being such assholes to the, the underlings. 
Um, but I wanted to just shift it slightly because you introduced the lady from Shanghai and uh, Notting Hill, which was an easy sell for me. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I want to go with like two back to backs, like rom coms. I was like, because that sort of <laughs> it would make it so easy to be like, well, the lady from Shanghai is so dramatically different from these other two because they're light and so and so. When I saw Air, I'm like, oh, we could apply that here because obviously Jordan is the great white whale as far as for this company. And with, you know, hindsight, we know, okay, that's what made Nike uh, was just was getting this one figure. He was so clearly out of their league at that point. Uh, so it was really ba basically, can we just have something that's not a romance to follow Notting Hill was my, my other thing to make it a little bit more balanced uh, overall for the month, make it a little bit more interesting. But you yeah. hate it. You hate this decision. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I like it. Again, as much as I, I want every episode to be us high-fiving, it's nice to mix it up and, and see why it is that uh, you like something that I maybe did not gravitate towards. And I also just want to point out, not just me, 98% of <laughs> the world. <laughs> I am aware. I am I'm very aware of that. I often feel... And, and I know it's 100%. It's true that I also am, am somebody who is way out of my significant other's league. Uh, I'm so thankful that this other lady had decided, like, you know, I can't even imagine my pitch to her. I, I'm trying to think back. It's like, hey, how about you leave your entire life and your entire family and the country that you grew up in and move halfway across the world and hang out and watch movies with me. Like, what do you think of that? That sounds like a good deal to you. And uh, Were you for some shaking reason, shaking the phone when you made this pitch, <laughs> <laughs> screaming at her. Yes, yes. And worse, it was on FaceTime, so it was even more <laughs> egregious. <laughs> she was like, "This is this is gonna be a mess." And so, it, it's really uh, kind of. A, a gift from, from the heavens that, that she said yes to it, and she's over here. Uh, I, I assume you feel similarly, e even though uh, uh, the journey for your wife was not as grand, but uh, I, I'm sure yeah. uh, you feel lucky. Way, way to put it in that context, buddy. Like, there, there's no international travel or sort of life-altering plans. It's like, well, I guess... Uh... Yeah, we live in the same city, so might as well. <laughs> no, no, but, <laughs> you're but here, the, I'm here. <laughs> but the stakes, but the stakes are still high. Okay, like just because the distance is greater in mine, the stakes are mm. e equal in terms of uh, giving up mm. every single suitor, giving up every single other individual or other relationship to focus on on you. You know, and and that's that's really the heart of of the, the decision. Yeah, I mean, I like how you're you're framing it for uh, in a more grounded way for people. Although when you're when you're talking about, I guess your, the course of your life will be dictated primarily by this other person or this choice to to share your life with this other person. A lot of people can go that way. Not a lot of people are going to be working for a company where it's like, should we go with John Stockton or Michael Jordan? <laughs> like that's not really usually a decision that you you will face or. Um, Orson Welles uh, deciding to get into a crazy uh, murder uh, plot uh, for, for money and, and crime and for Rita Hayworth. Uh, but the shitty Rita Hayworth, according to general audiences, the one with the short hair and the, <laughs> and the blonde uh, tint. Um, I, th I think that if you look at it that way, it can, it can make one's own life 
probably feel far grander and, and dramatic. And maybe that's why I um, enjoyed air more than you, because that, <laughs> those thoughts make me uncomfortable. <laughs> like, oh, just show me a bunch of just white dudes sitting in an office, like being kind of mildly annoyed by another one. For like, uh, you know, Jason Bateman's whole speech that I, I don't have a child. I wondered, you know, what you saw about that. I, I enjoyed that speech that he had because he's like, you know, philosophically, I, I don't disagree with you, man. He's like, but you know, my sort of grand quest for my life are like the Saturdays I get to spend with my daughter. Like he's, it's a divorced a uh, couple and it's like, you know, I'm, I'm sort of rooting for you idealistically. It's like, but if that, if this gets in the way of being able to like bring cool shoes to my daughter and that once a week, she looks at me like I'm a God because I work for this company that can provide her free shoes once a week. I don't think it's worth it. And I, I, I enjoyed that. That's not something that we got it in Notting Hill. Um, of course they, they double back on it where he grants like, can I just say no to your, you know, your requests? Can I just like, can I just avoid heartbreak? We don't often see it in movies where, where people sort of voice the safe choice being something that possibly will provide them with more um, love, I guess, throughout. Like if they, if they don't take the risk, they like, they like what they have. They don't need to like flex or show off for the general public. And um, I like moments like that. Now, that's not to say Notting Hill goes wrong by having Hugh Grant go chase down Julie Roberts, because I also was the one that was like, you're a fool. <laughs> you, <laughs> like, you're not risking anything, <laughs> single man. You live with a man named Spike. Uh, you need to get out of this situation. Um, the only one that I was never swept away with, as attractive as a fun Rita Hayworth, is probably probably the lady from Shanghai, because I just don't think I would ever have made any of the decisions that Orson Welles. It doesn't reel me in. Do you think that's the, is it the film noir aspect of it that puts you at a distance where you're like, you automatically know this is dangerous. It is set by genre trappings is set up as this is, these are dangerous decisions. Um, it's one where I'm far more comfortable watching other people make the decisions and never putting myself uh, in those shoes. Well, of course, because, we have been in those shoes before. We have been in situations where we know it's bad for us, but we have to do it anyways. There's just no other, uh, you know, the, I guess the reptilian brain just turns on and our deepest desires, that, that's what we want. And uh, no amount of reasoning is going to force us to choose otherwise. That's, that, I've often wondered, uh, I remember in high school, I was kind of a, you know, friends with everybody type person never really getting into people's dramas and i would always hear about it i'm like man it must be cool to be in a situation where somebody says something and I'm, oh my god it's scandalous and maybe um you find yourself in the midst of something that everyone's talking about and then later on in life when i got into that situation i was like this sucks this is the worst and so Ain't so cool now. <laughs> yeah. I don't like being the lead character of Gossip Girl. I'm not I'm not down for this. I'm not built like Blake Lively. Not at all. And that's kind of how I look at Lady from <laughs> Shanghai. That is how I because as much as because because we've all been there and as much as we appreciate the situation and, and watching it from the outside, we don't want to be in there because while we're watching it that mammalian brain turns right back on but yes of course film noir and the genre tropes of course and that has something to do with it as well so definitely lady from shanghai is the outlier of the two and also in the terms of 
that the main character doesn't really get what he wants, but he's the better for it. Maybe. <laughs> if he could have somehow figured out a way to escape with Rita Hayworth. <laughs> all right. That's where I come down, Webb. Out of all these sort of leagues that these characters are trying to jump up into, Rita Hayworth, Julia Roberts, Michael Jordan, which one is most most worth risking life and limb to, to, to get into, get on the same level as, as one of those that you're reaching for. Oh my God. This is, this is incredibly difficult because I, I think I kind of want something different from each of them. Hmm. And I don't want to be a guy's guy, but I'm just. Read Hayworth. Read Hayworth. <laughs> I mean, she helped a man escape from prison. You know, she she united two friends on a, on a beach uh, in a, a lovely film once they, you know, retired from Shawshank. So it has to be her. has to be. I don't know if Michael Jordan's poster ever did that for, for, for someone that's serving time in a penitentiary. <laughs> I watched Michael Jordan kind of throughout his career. And I was quite young, so I wasn't able to appreciate it all. Uh, but as I was getting older, I did. And I was there for his very Which last. Is impressive, considering you're you're now a DC guy, and he doesn't have a great uh, Washington Wizards legacy. So, <laughs> well, on that note, I was there live for his very last game. Oh wow! And it was not, it was not the Michael Jordan that I watched on television. Mm. Mm. And boy, to, to to be in the situation in this fantasy to end up with Michael. To end up with Prime, Michael, Air Jordan, Michael. I don't know, man. I, I feel like he overtakes Julia Roberts and, and whatever Rita Hayworth has to offer. I don't know how I feel about your, your answer. Um, <laughs> I'm glad that you just decided to come in and be contentious and disagreeable. And we can get back to agreeing on matters as we should next time around. But I'm shocked. I'm shocked that you did not go with Rita Hayworth. But uh, of all three, I'm going with Notting Hill as a film. That's my favorite of this trilogy. Well, in, well, uh, film is different than which of the three, you know, uh, um, prize possessions you'd want. Uh, but man, in Notting Hill, when Julie Roberts tells him that she's just a girl like that, it every it gets me every single time. It gets me every. It's so powerful that even all that Michael has to offer, I might I might have to turn away. So uh, there's no doubt that all three have. A very very alluring features. Although I would argue, just because I'm I'm a huge dork, I'm more in love with Orson than I am with Rita. <laughs> throughout, oh my god, out. in the show, <laughs> in the podcast. 